0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hello there, it's Stuart here. And on behalf of Elizabeth and myself, I just wanted to say that, yes, this is a Christmas special. But we've become very aware that this Christmas isn't going to be the one that many of you will have wanted. It'll be special for all the wrong reasons. But we still thought we'd offer this up as a little bit of Christmas cheer for you and with best wishes that things are better in the new year.
0: Notable.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: Merry Christmas. Uh, Welcome to Notable.
1: Welcome to Notable. Even though we've not really done very many yet, as it's Christmas, we thought we'd break with the format early (laughs) (laughs) and do a Christmas special. We're going to talk about some Christmassy things. We
0: are. The history of the Christmas Carol Service. In fact, it's almost potted history of the Christmas Carol. I've got four for you, Stuart.
1: Really? But Mm. I'm going to start, we're going to start by talking about what some people think is the greatest Christmas album ever made. Any idea what I'm talking about?
0: Is it Phil Spector?
1: Well, yes. You'd almost (laughs) think that we'd put some preparatory thought into this, wouldn't you? The Phil Spector Christmas album Or, as it's properly called, A Christmas Gift For You from Phil Spector. Mm. Which routinely gets called the best, you know, not just the best Christmas album ever, but it ends up, uh, it was voted 142 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Brian Wilson of The Beach Boys says it's his favourite album of all time. He plays, actually, he was involved in it slightly.
0: Wasn't he deemed not good enough on the piano to be involved?
1: He wrote a song for it that was rejected. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... What is it? Let's give you a background history. You'll have heard it. You'll have heard it today, I bet. I bet if you've been in a shop or a supermarket or having your tires changed or whatever today, I bet you've heard some of the Phil Spector Christmas album, which are people like The Ronettes and Darlene Love and The Crystals and etc. Uh, etc. Et in fact, everybody who was on the Philles label at the time, which was his label, Phil Spector wrote them into recording this record. A compilation, Except it was, you know, a compilation of various artists, but it's um, basically, from about 61 onwards, Spectre can do no wrong. He's having tons of hits with his own label called Phil Les, which is his name, and uh, Lester Sill, his business partner. It's a combination of the two. But then he buys out uh, Lester and he becomes the sole controller of it in 1963, uh, the youngest label boss in America. And he decides he's going to make a Christmas album. So he gets to all the people who are on his label and he makes them work all through September and October of 1963, making this record. I mean, he's notorious for having being a slave driver, wasn't he, Spectre? He was. All these stories. He pulled a gun on John Lennon. He, you know, he made people work long hours. He was vaguely abusive to people who, who, who worked for him. In fact, we should say that obviously Spectre is problematic, isn't he? Because we... we the music. We of, know
0: how it ends. Yeah, and the music <laughs> of, say,
1: Gary Glitter, for instance, say, you won't hear it anymore, anymore, anywhere, will you? You know what I mean? He's become yeah. a problematic. Spectre is an interesting one because while he is a convicted felon, a convicted murderer, I mean, it would seem wrong not to mention this album as it would also be discounting the work of loads of other people who aren't Phil Spectre, like Harriet? Darlene Love yeah. and the Ronettes. And so that's why I think it's still an okay thing to talk about. And it's a pop masterpiece you know and sometimes bad people make good art so he gets them all together under difficult conditions the 16 year old Cher who sang backing vocals on it said that it was just the hardest work ever and she would crawl into bed each night and get up in the morning and wonder how are all these old guys doing this because as well as specters artists and Cher a lot of the famous you know the wrecking crew yes. the famous session musicians a lot of those are playing on it working they said 16 17 hour days wow
0: seasoned you know. absolutely
1: with this infamous wall of sure, sound I just
0: needed to uh,
1: earn a chart yeah Cher sure was there as well and um yeah they made this record the technique of course he's famous for the wall of sound which basically means get as many people as you can in the room playing a load of instruments record them at very high volume and put tons of reverb on there and overdub and overdub and overdub and double track and double track and double track but the interesting well one of the interesting things about the record as well as the circumstances it's made in that it's really difficult and daunting uh, is that It comes out on November the 22nd, 1963. Do you know what else happened on that day?
0: Uh, JFK was assassinated, is that right? That's right isn't it? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Also, With The Beatles is released in the United States as well. For whatever reason, maybe it's because a Beatles album comes out the same day and the Beatles are beginning to become massive. Maybe it's because of more likely the JFK assassination because it was considered wrong. I mean, America didn't feel very festive. A lot of people wouldn't stock the record because it didn't seem decent or appropriate. They're on the day that there's almost on the the week that there's kind of national mourning in America to have this, hey, here's a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector. Just felt wrong. So a lot of people didn't stock it. So it,
0: it was. It's quite a distraction, isn't it? Yeah, and those, the... both those things, but you know, that's especially right. the assassination.
1: Interesting side fact I said that With the Beatles came out on the same day. For another podcast, maybe in the new year, there is a theory that The Beatles would never have happened. Beatlemania would never have happened but for the assassination of JFK because, you know, America needed the Beatles. It needed some good news at that time, but that's a, for a different podcast. Oh. The but the early pressings of Spectre. If you've got if you've got one of those early pressings that came out then, apparently about three hundred quid four hundred quid for an original. Wow. It's come out many times since. And you're right. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town originally featured Brian Wilson on piano, but he was rejected because apparently his piano playing wasn't wasn't good enough. <laughs> But it didn't do. It didn't really do anything. It was a very minor hit on the Billboard chart and disappeared into obscurity.
0: Which is just unbelievable. And uh, why has it, you know, with hindsight, why do we consider it one of the greatest Christmas albums of all time? I think what happened, was, and it, but it, you know, they didn't get that at the time.
1: I think what might have happened was in the seventies, Spectre started to get kind of, not rediscovered, really but his his genius started to be appreciated by the rock press, by the new rock press, and by rock musicians. So, you know, he produces a couple of Beatles solo albums. People start to write about, it. those records from the 1960s, acknowledging them for the pop masterpieces they are, little symphonies for the kids. People like Lester Bang start to say, this guy's a genius. So in 1972, Apple put Christmas Gift For You out again. This time, With a kind of cooler cover because the original cover is all of them standing around smiling all the various artists in in, in, which and the one that we have now and we all
0: know it's not cool to smile
1: exactly well in the world of rock and roll in the world of rock and roll so they put it out apple put it out in 1972 with a picture of phil Spector with long hair and shades and it kind of adds to a kind of hey he's a mystery rock auteur kind of thing and it's not just a frivolous collection of ditties I mean, we should say what some of the songs are, shouldn't we? Some of the classics. Christmas, Baby Please Come Home by Darlene Love, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Marshmallow World. Some of the lesser-known ones on there, I guess. There is Parade of the Wooden Soldiers, The Bells of St Mary's, but most of the rest of them are pretty big. White Christmas, Silent Night, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Winter Wonderland. You will hear this over and over again. But it's basically been since that 70s rediscovery That it it was a big hit then. It was a hit here and in the states again, and since then there have been countless reissues of it. I mean, it's come out time and time again. Rhino put the first CD out in 1987, and there's been you know double vinyl compilations on red vinyl and things like that. But it's an interesting thing how it's chequered history. That if you were if we were making this podcast in the late 1960s. We wouldn't care. You wouldn't care, and probably wouldn't. This regarded as the greatest Christmas album ever. Between about sixty-three and seventy-two, for a whole decade, was a lost record that no one really cared it's about. It's
0: so interesting how all the kind of imagery around pop music is so important to how we,
1: yeah,
0: how we think about the sound, how it makes, how the sound makes us feel, isn't it? You yeah. know, that's it goes to say, and untiming as well, of course, not just because of what what else happened at that time, but just that. You know his image had kind of changed in with a bit of yeah. distance. Yes, I mean, no. so that changes how we all you know consume Absolutely. it and uh, feel about the, it. Absolutely, the the
1: the cover that you have now, and the cover that like your your CD and my CD will have, is that the original cover with them all standing around with the Christmas wrapping in the box and stuff like that. I I never had. Uh, uh, I've only seen recently that seventy-two cover, but it does make you think of it in a completely different way. Yeah, with a picture of you know Phil Spector in shades and long hair. It makes you think, oh, this isn't. Just a collection of brilliant songs by all these artists, African American artists in many respects and in many instances. But it makes you think, oh, it's the work of this obsessive pop genius. It makes you think of it in a slightly different way. But certainly, I mean, it, it's now, you hear it everywhere. Is
0: it your all time favourite Christmas album?
1: Yeah, I think it probably is. Because Phil Spector. He didn't make albums like... He wasn't particularly interested in making albums that were like sort of unified artistic statements. You know, like people say today they... He just thought every song should be a brilliant single. And it is. And because of that, it it then becomes a brilliant album. But yeah, I think it probably is. I like Frank Sinatra's Christmas album as well. I remember that from being a kid. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Which is a really sad song, I think. It is. Apparently the original lyrics were even sadder. I was reading that... It, the, you know, it's still quite um, it's still quite melancholy. That song about ne- won't, next year all our troubles will be far away, which is particularly appropriate now. But apparently, the original lyrics think, there's a line in about let's hope it's not like our last Christmas, which is really gloomy. But I still love the melancholy of it. Do you have a favourite Christmas album? I'm just
0: thinking that. Do you know what? I am like a bit of a humbug.
1: Maybe oh, now wow. is not the time
0: to admit this. Well, and Christmas was not much of a big deal in our house when I was growing up. But um, we used to get the Cliff Richard Christmas single every year, me and my sister. Really? Yeah, my dad used to buy it for us. For t- I mean, he's not a Cliff Richard fan. No. by a, Like, not by a long way. Yeah. And... Maybe, I'm going to ask. I was just thinking. Then I'm going to ask him when I see him. Why? Why, why did you always buy us a clip? Because well, you know, I guess
1: tradition. Christmas is about tradition, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. I guess.
1: Do you have a, fav- um, do you have a favorite carol?
0: A favorite carol? Uh,
1: it's sounded like you don't.
0: I don't. I like Bob Dylan's version of "Hark the Herald Angels Sing."
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's the you know. Yeah. I love the Coventry Carol. Which uh, you know, Lule, Lule, their little tiny child, which is so dark and strange because it's about Herod and yeah. the massacre of the innocents. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just got that beautiful sort of medieval tune to it. So um, yeah, that'll be mine.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite
1: Tell me about Christmas carols.
0: Okay, um, so the history of the carol service, but with a little build up to it. Okay. So um,
1: should I do? Some come d- with me. Oh, look, I like things that begin. Come with me.
0: Come with me. Back to well, wait, actually, until you hear where you're coming with me to. Okay. So this dates back to pagan times. Basically, these were songs that were sung around the winter and summer solstice. In fact, usually they were for every season. Sung around the stone circles. It was particularly particularly popular. In the West Country, in right. inside apple-producing regions, because okay. they had this tradition of wassailing, yeah. um, which is where they would sing. Um, it was a kind of a superstitious thing to bring in or to, you know, usher in a, a good harvest of also, apples. Yeah, and, and
1: poor, poor people used to go wassailing, which basically, did. Meant, which basically meant going door to door. Begging for food and drink.
0: Yeah, yeah and it means um, drinks your health, doesn't it? Good health, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that's where the tradition of going from door-to-door singing carols comes from Absolutely. as well. And yeah, I think the whole Merry Christmas thing comes from that as well. Just, you know, drink and be merry. So that's kind of, it was that sort of thing that carols started. Those sort of traditions, that's what the carols are mm. born out of. Carol, it's the dance, basically. Yeah. It's a dance in the round. That's what it means. Ooh, okay. Then the Christians came along. Christians have kind of fallen in and out of love with the carol singing tradition, this kind of folk song tradition. So as early as 129 AD, angel songs were sung at christmas in rome mm-hmm. for hundreds of years after that musicians have written songs for church at christmas time but they were usually in latin mm-hmm. which was not what the carol singing thing was all about you know this was a folk thing that the people could sing so usually they were sort of out of church and then in church christmas songs were latin so the two you Didn't, know yeah yeah kind of stayed separate really but in the world outside of the church these traditional songs kind of became mingled with Christian sort of mm. stories weird kind of i suppose versions of Christian stories so we have three ships which is a famous traditional folk song three ships become three kings you know there's a
1: there's a story that, a
0: slightly altered version of the bible story isn't
1: it i saw three ships come sailing in that one is supposed to be about three ships carrying the bones of the Magi that's another, yeah, to that, Cologne Cathedral. But yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: there are different versions wherever you go in the in this country as well, but oh, yeah. elsewhere in Europe. So there's a version in Whitby and there's you know, it's
1: we know that Yorkshire has its own South Yorkshire has its own carol tradition where they sing <laughs> the words we know but to very different tunes in the pubs. Absolutely. And the great Kate Rudsby. Quite a few yeah, albums of albums. She those. does, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's big around Barnsley, yeah. Rotherham, yeah. all around there, Sheffield, isn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Castleton. Good King Wenceslas Lesser is another one that mm-hmm. um, is kind of a mixture of traditional folk song and Chris, vague Christian overtones. He was a
1: real guy, wasn't he?
0: He was. B- a bohemian duke. Uh, Vaclav the Good. Mm-hmm. Only became good, though, after his mother had had his grandmother assassinated and then he banished his own mother and kind of the guilt and trauma of this bloody story left him so traumatised and wanting to make amends that he went around giving his possessions away to the poor. Would Which you is, said
1: Bohemia is modern Czechoslovakia. Czechia, it is, yeah. yeah.
0: So that ain't that earned him that title, Václav the Czech Good. Czech
1: public, I should say, yeah.
0: uh, But meanwhile, uh, his brother, Bolslaus. Yeah. Bolslaus, the cruel... You think with a brother with that title, you, you would just...
1: avoid him, wouldn't you? You would... <laughs> There's a clue in the name, isn't there? There is. There's You'd certainly watch your back, name. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but he didn't, poor King Wenceslas. And um, Bolslaw's, I think that's how you say it. Bolslaw, but it's B O L E It's
1: it, I've got Bolslav. B O L E S L A V.
0: Okay, well. You okay. know,
1: Boleslav.
0: Boleslav. Boleslav is the cruel, yeah. <laughs> the cruel bit being. Yeah. You know, the important bit here, uh, actually murdered his brother Vaclav. And um, he was so, only
1: twenty-two.
0: I know. When he died, he did a lot in that in that time, didn't he? He
1: did, but he didn't see that old man gathering winter fuel, apparently, because that fictitious story was written much later by a Czech poet in 1847 that, for, that forms the basis of the Good King mm, Wenceslas right. song, as it were. Yeah.
0: So he very much was not looking out for himself.
1: Yeah. Um, but we know what his favourite pizza was, don't we? Do we? Yeah, deep pan, crisp and even. <laughs> Come on. <laughs>
0: oh, dear. I've never heard that. <laughs> uh, so, back to the carols. Yeah. <laughs> basically as i was saying the christians kind of fall in and out of love it's interesting in this country christmas comes in and out of fashion for like hundreds of years on and off yeah. so when the puritans came to power in britain in like the 1640s the whole tradition of singing carols at christmas was forbidden it yes. went underground actually people used to meet in secret just to sing carols uh, and then what basically happens is the victorian's make christmas into what we sort of know it today christmas, yeah they didn't did they the um because of uh, obviously an explosion of urbanization so commercialization gifts, were mass produced so they were cheaper also the idea of charity as well at Christmas yeah, yeah. it grew didn't it at that yeah. time because people were living in cities in squalor and then suddenly there was yeah. more pressure put on rich mill owners to give away our, things at Christmas our, be a bit more charitable
1: our Christmas imagery is basically sealed by the Victorians isn't it yeah before you move away from Puritans mm. just just an added bonus thought The 12 Days of Christmas is thought by some people to be coded Catholic litany, as it were. Okay. Because during that period you are talking about when Catholicism was banned, it's said that the 12 Days of Christmas is a coded way of, of Catholics to celebrate their faith I.e. the partridge in a pear tree is Christ on the cross. Right. The eight maids of milking are the eight beatitudes. The two turtle doves are the Old Testament and the New Testament, etc., etc., etc. So that there are, you know, the so six it's days. Catholic code. The six days of the creation are the six geese laying. Now this could well be. Bunkum of the highest order, but it's a, <laughs> well, i
0: bought right into but it. but it's, so it's a theory, but well, anyway, like yeah, it. you, it's good. To, back to the Victorian Christmas. Yeah, so Victorians, as I say, uh, they create the kind of commercial Christmas that we know today. Uh, also, apparently, the you know trains were invented during the Victorian times, and right. so that whole kind of tradition of travelling home for Christmas that okay. started then yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And there is also a theory that people who'd moved from the countryside into the cities, into often it was squalor, wasn't it? They developed this kind of nostalgia at Christmas time for what Christmas been in their yeah. in their you know rural past or the places mm. in the countryside that they come from, which was probably a little bit exaggerated because obviously they had left the country for a reason. The person who's central to the to the invention of Christmas, Charles Dickens.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you know Charles Dickens when he was growing up as a child? It was a particularly kind of cold spell. And so all his Christmases were white. And apparently he perpetuated the idea of a white Christmas. Right. And also, you know, his social conscience perpetuated as well the idea of charity at Christmas. So all this Christmas stuff, as I say, is flying around. Two men. William Sandys and Davis Gilbert started to collect old Christmas music from rural parts of the UK. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, choirs and orchestras in these sort of new cities, expanding cities, were uh, established. And the whole tradition of music played and sung at Christmas started to grow. Meanwhile, in Truro, Mm -hmm. in 1880, the Christmas Carol Service, as we also know it today was uh, invented and it was a chap called Edward White Benson who yeah. was the Bishop of Truro at yeah. that time. He invented the modern day Christmas carol service. Nine lessons with carols, so it's nine biblical passages as so many of us will know having mm-hmm. been to this the Christmas Eve carol service uh, from the Old and New Testament interspersed with various carols, hymns and usually three anthems from Handel's Messiah. Fish, sure. bash, bosh, we can all go home for... A Bailey's and a sausage roll I've got uh, just a little aside our own kind of sidebar of shame okay <laughs> some dirt on Edward White Benson his wife we know had 39 other lovers
1: really yep she That's wrote them specific. she
0: she numbered them all in her diary all women as well. Good grief. Yep. His son, Arthur Benson, uh, an eminent poet, wrote the words to the Land of Hope and Glory and also wrote a diary of four million words, which is thought to be the longest diary ever. Yep. Whoa. His other son, E.F. Benson, was a novelist and his daughter yeah. was an Egyptologist who actually stole one of her mother's female lovers. So quite a lot going on with his family. E.F.
1: Benson, we should say, the railway children fame and ghost story fame. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But back to the carols. So Edward White Benson, Bishop of Truro in 1818. And a new cathedral was being built at this time. The source of actually quite a lot of discontent because there'd been some house clearings to make way for it. And the town's beloved medieval church had been destroyed as well. So Benson needed to win the people over. He apparently also wanted to keep them out of the pubs on Christmas Eve yeah, because everyone yeah. was going around in Truro getting trolleyed yeah, at that time. Yeah. So he thought, you know, two bears, one stone. Let's create this new service. And it is a little gem. It works. The people yeah. loved it. In fact, because the cathedral was being built they had a kind of wooden hut that was uh, you know, just there in the interim but the locals packed into it to hit yeah. to this service for seven years while the while the cathedral was being built and it's a bit of a landmark moment for carols because this is really where they become part of a church a formal church service right. and it started to be sung regularly yeah. in church he even introduced the idea that the first reading should be done by a kind of lowly chorister building up to the big cheese It's the bishop, which we still do today as well. So how did it travel from Truro out into the world and become the popular carol service that it is today? Well, um, he became the Archbishop of Canterbury. So I guess if you want to get your ideas pushed through, that's one way. But also in 1918 a man called Eric Milner-White was the dean of King's College Cambridge. Yeah. He took up this service. He added a few of his own personal touches. Once in Royal David City became the opening hit, yeah. as it still is today.
1: Which say significantly is 1918 because what he was doing because we just had four years of war yeah. and he thought this would be a f- you know more fun than the usual sober Christmas Eve. Service. Yeah. He thought the austerity of the usual Let's mass. He thought bit. they should judge it up a bit for people who'd had four years of war. Yeah. Uh,
0: also, he introduced the the idea of the first verse of "Once in Royal David City" being sung by a solo treble, as mm-hmm. it still is uh, today as well. We used to sing it like that. At school so he kind of added all these personal touches which make which we you know we still practice today. Uh, ten years later the BBC broadcast the King's service on the radio and they have done ever every since. year ever since.
1: And this year is going to be slightly different uh, depending on when you're listening to this because normally it's open to the public and they often queue up from like two and three o'clock yep. in the morning to get in there on, on the, for the Christmas Eve live serve but it's only open to people from the um, college this year because of COVID, so that, that's slightly different. But one of the facts about it that I really love is that you hear that that opening solo, a voice for once in Royal David City. Mm. They don't know they're going to sing it. Are till... they
0: just told that day?
1: I think they're told minutes. Like, oh, really? Be- minutes before because the feeling is that they would be panicking for for weeks if they knew. Right, okay. Because there would be so much pressure. So it's better not to know till just before.
0: I guess you can still practice for it, you? can, can practice, of course. If but you know you might be chosen.
1: I mean, it goes out at four o'clock on Christmas Eve uh, on Radio 4 and around the world on the World Service. And mil- literally millions of people listen. Yep. And it's not to be confused with carols from King's The Telly, which is kind of different. That's the more kind of showbiz version. Yeah, yeah this is yeah. the original. This is the proper one, yeah. yeah. So there you have it, the history of the carol service and Phil Spector's Christmas album or a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector.
0: And some juicy gossip along and the way. some juicy gossip, Ooh. I didn't know,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, we'll be back with the regular Notable. show, yeah. I guess, in, in the, the new, new year. year.
0: Yeah.
1: In the meantime, Merry Christmas.
0: Have a very peaceful Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Notable, the podcast.